You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I literally... Just walked in the door after an awesome weekend in Nashville. I walked in, sat down at my desk, fired the computer, and here we are. And of course, joining me as he does each week for our game recap episodes is my longtime co-host, Curtis. Now, before we get into said recap, though, I want to make sure to tell you guys about the best place to stay in Athens this fall for Georgia football weekend. So if you're visiting Athens to watch the dogs play this fall, or maybe you're coming to town for a concert, you're visiting a friend, touring the campus with your kids, or any of the other reasons you may find yourself in the classic city, book the normal town cottage on Airbnb for a convenient in-town location while you enjoy all the classic city has to offer. The normal town cottage boasts three bedrooms, two full bathrooms, and a spacious living area with kitchenette. It also offers free parking on a tree-lined in-town neighborhood street, Guys, I'm telling you, for those of you who might not be like as familiar with like the all the surrounding parts of Athens, Normaltown, for my money, is by far the best part of Athens. And I can say that as someone who's a who's a local Athenian and actually lived Normaltown for many, many years. Normaltown is the best. And there's no better place to stay in Normaltown than the Normaltown Cottage. And this weekend for the Arkansas game, it just became available. So if you're thinking about coming to Athens for the big top 10 matchup with game day in town and you can't find the hotel within a 50-mile radius, I'm telling you guys, right now, you're not going to be able to. Normaltown Cottage is here to save the day. Just go to Normaltown Cottage on Instagram or you can click the link pinned to our Twitter profile to reserve your dates. Don't wait book today. All right. Well, guys, it was an awesome weekend in Nashville. I will double down on what AD Josh Brooks tweeted out over the weekend. We have the best traveling fan base in America. Hands down, no question. Honestly, I won't even entertain a contrary opinion on that. Usually, I'm very open to different ideas. Not on this one. It's just straight fact. Broadway was painted red and black on Friday night, as of course it was. And then you guys all saw what that stadium looked like on Saturday. Yet another dog takeover. It's just what we do. And then the clock hit noon on Saturday, and there was a mauling on Nashville's West End. I mean, what we saw out there on that field 
was borderline criminal. And not so much on our part, like we just did what we got to do. It was criminal negligence on the part of Clark Lee to put that Vandy team out there against our guys. It was criminal negligence on the part of the SEC to let that game happen. I mean, damn. Uh, the final score was bad enough, 62 to nothing. But even that doesn't tell the entire story. You guys saw it. I mean, 35 first quarter points was the most points we've scored in the, in the first quarter since 1996. It's the largest first quarter lead in SEC game since 2000. We covered the spread, depending on what sports book you're looking at, in the first quarter. And as has become the norm, it was yet another example of defensive dominance by the Georgia defense. We had 62 points. Well, guys, Vandy had 77 total yards. Mm, ouch, that uh, that hurts, man. That hurts. Uh, Vandy is also the first team since 2015 to have fewer than 60 yards of total offense through three quarters. It was the third largest road shutout in SEC history. And here's the one that gets me more than anything, honestly. We scored eight touchdowns. We could have scored about 12 if we wanted to. But we scored eight touchdowns to Vandy's four first downs. We scored twice as many touchdowns as they had first downs. So, Curtis, that is the definition of of a beatdown. We could have won that game. I'm not even kidding about this. I truly believe we could have won that game 100 to nothing, if not worse than that, if we had really, really wanted to. But how much do you take away from a game like this against such an overmatched opponent? Clearly, they didn't belong in the same field as us. So do you draw any conclusions from that? What's your big takeaway from a game like that? That's so lopsided. Oh, my biggest my biggest takeaway is the fact that we didn't play down. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is we got ahead. We started quick. Uh, we scored very quickly in this first, especially in the first quarter. I believe it was 35 nothing. Um, not even eight minutes into the first quarter. I think that was a huge statement is the fact that, like, you see it a lot of times teams play down or not even if they don't play down, they just don't move as, you know, come out as quickly. On teams, they're still a little – methodical and everything they do and we weren't doing that we attacked and we were we attacked with precision we were hitting the plays when they were to be made and i think that's the biggest thing you could ask for is we were just converting on everything that was out there i like the word precision i like you using that word because we were just executing at least when the starters were out there in the first quarter we were executing at a level that i don't know if i've ever seen us execute you know does that make sense like we were just hitting on all cylinders every like you said the, the precision every play Everybody was doing their job for the most part. There might have been one or two plays we'll get to a little bit later on, but like we're just nitpicking there. But we were just But there, there wasn't it. like a lot of wasted plays. Yeah. And like it the was only – I believe the only incompletion JT had was the drop. Yeah, was that Robinson on the – Justin Robinson on that drop? I believe it was him. Yeah, it was the Justin Robinson drop. Yeah, I think that, I think that was it in that first quarter. So we were just – look, not perfect. But like there were a few things, and we're going to nitpick a little bit later on because that's about all you can do when you're trying to look for things – uh, that you maybe you didn't like in a game like this when you win 62 to nothing. But for the vast majority of that first quarter, we were executing in a way that I just haven't seen us execute in a while as a team across the board. Uh, we were very deliberate in what we were trying to accomplish. I like the, again, I like the word precision, Curtis. Passes were on point. Guys were making the right blocks. Running backs were in the right holes. Everything was working in that first quarter. For me, look, I, when you beat a team – like Vanderbilt, 62 to nothing. As I said, a team that clearly just should not have been on the field. Honestly, I believe it was like borderline criminal that they were on the field with us. Uh, it just wasn't fair to them at all, man. Like it just, that shouldn't have happened. Like I was sitting there like, and I know everybody was upset with Vandy after what happened last year, 
But in some small way, like I kind of felt bad for them sitting there in the stands, like, oh my God, like these guys, like we really could drop a hundred points if we wanted to. I, I, I try to just imagine what it'd be like to be on the opposite sideline. I kept looking over there and just seeing how dejected they were. They like, just trying to put myself in that position. I was like, this is why in high school and little league, they have mercy rules. It's it's for games like this. Like we we basically mercy ruled Vandy without there being a mercy rule in college football. I mean, that's basically what happened. And so I don't. I hesitate to draw any kind of like hardcore conclusions off of that. But what I would say is kind of like the UAB game. This is just a, another bit of information, further evidence that we are who I think that we are. That's what I said after UAB. UAB, I'll go back. I think UAB is probably better than Vanderbilt. I don't think that's much of a stretch. But we shouldn't have drawn too many conclusions off of beating UAB because we should have beaten UAB. We should have beaten them badly, just like we should have beaten Vandy badly. We shouldn't draw too many conclusions just off this one game in isolation. But when you take the season, I know it's only four games, but when you take how we've looked in totality, this is just further evidence that this team is different. This team is who I think they are. Again, does not mean that we can't slip up along the way. I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm just, I would say it's less likely. I feel like it's less likely that we, will slip up along the way than it is in past seasons because I just think that we're better at different positions. I think this team is on a mission. I don't, don't, don't you get that vibe, Gers? This team is just on a mission right now. They just seem to be bought in more um, than anything. You know, Kirby's really harped on how he's trying to be a player-led team, and he's really put an emphasis on trying to bring the players together. And you kind of see that, like just the way they celebrate every little thing that their teammates do. It does, you don't really see a lot of the me, me, me mentality out there with this team. Yeah, the culture, I think the culture is fully established. And I'm not saying like this is the first year that Kirby's culture has finally been fully established. But now, I mean, he's had a full class come and go through the program. And this is Kirby's team. This is Kirby's program. This is Kirby's culture. It's fully ingrained in Athens right now. And we have some very strong senior leaders. We have some guys that might not be seniors like N'Kobe Dean, who are still very strong leaders on this football team. Guys like JT Daniels, who haven't been around the program as long, but have still kind of found a leadership role on this team. And things are just, it just feels different. And it's hard to put your finger on that. It's one of those nebulous things, but just, I, and again, I know it's a small sample size, but through four games, not just the way we're playing, certainly the way we're playing looks different. But just the vibe you get watching this team and you listen to all the interviews like you and I do, Chris, and all of our listeners do too, whether it's players, whether it's coaches, it ju- it's just a different feel this year than it has been years past. Now, that does not guarantee anything. That does not guarantee a national title. That does not guarantee an SEC title. That does not guarantee a playoff berth. But I just feel like we're in a better position this year than we have been under Kirby Smart and we have been in a long time. And look, hey, look I, I know it's fair to again, but – Guys, we haven't done this to even Vanderbilt in the Kirby Smart era. I mean, I know we lost the first game 17-16 at home in Athens. That sucked. We've controlled them. We've dominated them ever since that first game back in 2016. But not like this. And we're talking about go back 45-14 in 2017, 41-13, 30-6 the last time we were in Nashville. And obviously last year they chickened out and found a couple different excuses to not play us. But 62 to nothing, 35 to nothing about halfway through the first quarter – this team held under 100 yards. We had over seven times more yards than they did on Saturday, Curtis. We And I know Vanderbilt might not be as good as they have been in the past couple of years, which is saying something because Vanderbilt's never really that good. But still, we just haven't beaten SEC teams like that. It just hasn't happened. So Vanderbilt or not, I just think this is more evidence to point to the idea that this is just a different Georgia team. This Georgia team's on a different level than what we've seen. Even with Kirby Smart's teams here in Athens, 
the past couple years. But Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Honestly, uh, there isn't all that much to look at from a big picture standpoint here. So, Kurt, let's go ahead, man. Let's move right into just what we liked and what we didn't like from this game. I still don't have a cool name for this segment. So, if anyone out there is sitting there and you kind of have an aha moment and you want to send us something, give us a cool name for this segment, send it on over. I'm not super creative. I'll own that. But you get the idea. We started this on last week's recap episode, and we got a lot of positive feedback on it. So, we're going to roll with it again. So, Curtis, this week after a 62-0 to demolition, of the Vanderbilt Commodores. There's obviously a lot to like, obviously. So let's go ahead and start there this week. What is at the top of your list of things that you like in this game? I know it's a long list, but where do you want to start? I actually want to start with this kind of the shuffling of the O-line, which you saw more so with, the if you want to call them your second group or whatever. But when you have Roger Jones out there, um, I was really impressed. I know it was Vanderbilt, but the pocket that they were given Stetson throw in, um, I really, really liked that. You know, now we weren't as precise when that offense was in, but the fact was it was not because they were getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, so I really want to say, say I did like the, that change in the O-line. Um, I thought it was very encouraging to see them out there. It happened early, too. I mean, obviously we had a massive lead, but it was nice to see them get out there and still get some reps with a, a, at least a good fair number of the actual uh, yeah, like Broderick, players. Yeah, I, I, I liked how many snaps Broderick got. Well, we got a mailbag question. I was going to save this for the mailbag, but we'll go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, I don't have it in front of me like verbatim, but more or less, how did you feel about Broderick Jones? Do you feel it's time to insert him there in the starting lineup? Because a lot of people are calling for that. You and I have been talking about it. We've been saying it's like if he can get to where the coaches trust him, then we would love to see that move. Do you Did you see enough on Saturday to suggest that? I thought that I saw ready? quite a bit that I liked. Now, Arkansas does have that really good number 55 guy coming off the left side which is a little dangerous which may make you want to go with Salyer but the fact is we're getting into the meat of our SEC schedule and if you're going to make the change you're going to have to make it you can't keep pushing it off and off and I think that's the biggest thing is is eventually I think it has to happen um I thought he did a good job his footwork out there is what really impressed me I know he has to work on his strength I think is what people say is his biggest knock but the fact is I thought he did a good job of engaging people and staying with them. And I think if the changes could be, ma- be made, it also needs to be made because if you lot watch, when they moved Salyer in, there were some times he missed blocks, and I think that was because the communication hasn't always been there with him at the guard position. And if you are going to make the change, you need to get everyone in there to get them comfortable. 
Yeah, I just I I don't disagree with you on everything you said there. A couple things, I, 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 what you just said there about Salyer moving in guard, he just hasn't played a ton of guard right now. He's been playing left tackle. I know he can play guard. I know he's got reps there in the past. But when you're going to game, I mean, game day is going to be there. It's going to be a top 10 matchup. Is this the week to do that, to go ahead and move him from left tackle where he has been playing and move him inside where you might have some communication issues? I mean, it takes one one communication issue and JT gets hit, he gets hurt again, the the, the obliques all messed up or it's a, a turnover, you know, cause a fumble. Somebody that could be a game-changing play. Is, is this really the game to do that? No, I don't think it is personally. That's why I think, honestly, it should have happened in Vanderbilt um, the whole yeah. time. Um, may have, it may That could be a thing I don't like realistically, but the fact I think it – this is definitely not the week to make the change. Last week was the, the week to make the change. But, I mean, the fact is we did get him a lot of reps. And maybe that's what they wanted more than anything But instead of making a change. Because if he goes out there and starts and you bring him out after a quarter like some of these other guys, did he really get the reps he needed? They're clearly considering it. They would not give him those kind of reps in an SEC game. I know it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, like he, he's seen a lot, of, a lot of reps before other people have been. Yeah. Yeah, and he got reps. I mean, going back to the UAB game, he was in there the uh, – first couple series of the game. So clearly our coaches feel like he is very, very close, if not already there, but they haven't felt comfortable enough to pull the trigger right now. Because look, we know how Kirby operates. Kirby, want, the number one thing Kirby cares about before he puts you out there is trust, right? I mean, that's very clear. Whether it's Jake Fromm, a quarterback, whatever position you want to talk about, it's all about trust. Does he trust you out there to not screw up and have blown assignments? That's really what it comes down to. And I think that's the concern with Broderick Jones, he looks ready physically to me right now. I think that he is the future at the left tackle position for us, him or Mims. Certainly from just a physical profile standpoint, they have all the tools that you could imagine out there that you would want in, in a left tackle or right tackle. But it just comes down to trust and just having those banked reps and big-time moments. Now, I will say it's hard to get those banked reps and big-time moments until you're actually put out there. But it's kind of a catch-22. Do you want to put them out there and see and potentially have it not go not go so well? So, I don't know. I'm kind of torn here because I do believe that we need more mass, more size on the interior when we play against some of these better defensive fronts that we're going to see here the rest of the way. I mean, Kurt, we got a big October ahead of us, man. I mean, we got Arkansas. Yeah, we do. This week. That's, that's the thing. Like I said, I don't know when you put him in, other than like this game. Other than this game, it's hard for the especially the next three games to find a team that you're kind of. Yeah. It's hard to say. You, you, you don't want to do it at Auburn. You don't want to do it against against Kentucky with with a good defensive front. You don't want to do it against Florida. I mean, it, it's tough. Like I, honestly, you're right. Ideally, it would have already happened, but clearly our coaches just didn't think he was quite ready or whatever it was. Maybe they, there was a trust thing. I don't know. They weren't ready to pull the trigger. Maybe you're winning. You don't want to mess up a good thing. I understand that. My concern though is like, do you want to wait until you go up against a defensive line that can kind of challenge you and you lose a game potentially because of, do you want to wait till then? Or kind of like what you, what you saw back, think about years ago when um, they finally made the change, I think to put Cleveland in over Kinley. Um, After we got absolutely dominated by Derek Brown and them at Auburn. Yeah. Yeah, we made that move, and it worked out very well. Yeah, it absolutely did. So, I mean, it that's what I'm out, saying. You, like you, you want to wait for a game like that to happen? I don't want to wait for something like that to happen. But I also don't want to put a guy in there before he's ready. So, without being at practice, without seeing, it's just hard to know. It's tough. It's tough. I will say I did like, for the most part, what I saw from him. One thing, I'm, again, I'm nitpicking here. One thing that I would like to see from him more is just sticking on his blocks a little bit longer. Like his initial punch was good, strong, powerful. He's, he's going with a good base out there. He's operating well from that standpoint. He moves very, very well. Past, past that was very, very solid. But it's just the sticking with the play a little bit longer in a couple of plays that – and I think that's something that comes with reps. Certainly no doubt there. But 
I don't know. It's just it's a concern right now that not so much left tackle. I feel fine left tackle with Salyer, but just on the interior of the line, I just still can't shake the feeling we're not quite big enough on the interior. Basically, operating with two centers in there, and I would love to get Salyer inside, but we just we gotta get Roderick ready. And I just again, I don't know if this week is the week for that. But I was glad, like you said, to see him get some reps in there. I thought he did play very well um, for like in terms of like basically playing majority of the game, like extended reps there. All right, for me, I'm going to go with the obvious one here, Curse. My first one, Brock Bowers. I told you guys back on signing day, this dude was just different. I don't always get it right. This one, I, to me, just watching Brock Bowers go back to high school, I think I might have even said this last week. I might have given him a shout-out last week. But the first time I, I turned on his tape, I was like, yeah, this dude's different. Just the first, very first time. And just you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you just turn on the tape, and you're like, okay, okay, this dude's got it. And I saw that in Brock Bowers. We saw this guy go three touchdowns, four catches, 69 yards. Also had a rushing touchdown, the old tight end reverse. Uh, beautiful play design there. You got to love that. Pulling out all the tricks. Um, Brock Bowers is a beast, man. Curtis, like I know everyone's excited about to get Darnell Washington back, and I certainly am too. I hope that happens this week. I think there's a good chance that it could happen this week. But Brock Bowers is kind of stealing the show right now, isn't he? Yeah, he is still on the show, but I think it makes us even that more dangerous because of matchup-wise. Like, if you have if you go in a two tight end heavy set realistically with those guys, yep. you, you're you're in trouble because if you try to say, "Well, I think they're going to pass and kind of go, try to go a little small," and then we try to bust you with our run game, then you could be in trouble. They got to match personnel, and if those guys, which yeah. I know they can, we as we saw what Bama, we, we talked about what Bama did to us last year, and that's exactly what we could do this year, where you go in heavy, try to keep them from going into like a, a nickel and dime package, and then you know attack them. Yeah, and I know everyone, like not everyone, but there are people concerned about like, well, what happens to Brock Bowers? What happens to his reps and Darnell Washington comes back? And my answer is nothing. Brock Bowers going to play the exact same amount of the reps. Brock Bowers is not going to be sitting on the bench. I honestly think Darnell coming back, as you were kind of saying there, Chris has the potential to make Brock Bowers more effective because you have another option in there, another weapon that the defense has to, has to defend. And all of a sudden now they're not as many, the defense only has so many resources guys and they can't dedicate all the resources to Brock Bowers. You've got Darnell Washington on the field there as well, the same position. It just opens things up even more for him, for AD Mitchell, for all of our weapons out wide for Jermaine, all those guys. So like, I, yeah, I know Darnell coming back to me like, well, that might into his reps. I don't think so. And I think it actually might make him even more effective. So that's going to be, a beautiful sight once we actually get the, the big zero out there on the field. So Brock Bowers, that's at the top of my list. This guy is just tearing it up this year. I mean, he, he's our biggest playmaker right now. I mean, and I don't even know if that's going to change. I think this guy is our biggest playmaker on this team. All right, Kurt, where are you going next? I think it's impossible to not talk about Ladd McConkie. Um, McConkie, let's go. I, You know, as typical, um, I mean, we've all been guilty of it. Kirby or them will sign someone or like, what the heck were they thinking? As you saw with Eric Stokes. Now, I'm not saying this guy's going to become a first-round pick, but the fact is, if they're, if they're th- a three-star, you've got to give know that there's a reason we got them, and now you're seeing it. I mean, the guy is explosive with the ball in his hands. Um, he can make people miss. He's shifty. He's a lot quicker than you realize. And the guy has some good hops. I mean, not only did he out-jump that guy, high-point it and everything, and take the ball away, but there was um, a uh, video, I don't know if people saw from practice, that UGA football post, and it looked like he – out jumped or kind of went up and took a ball from Keely Ringo. From Keely, so yeah. it's it's not just Vanderbilt; he's doing it too. Well, when we've heard all us all during the preseason that he was just absolutely balling out, and that's kind of playing out right now. Now this was his like he's made some nice plays, but this is clearly his breakout game. 
uh, with two touchdowns, four catches, 62 yards. Also had the uh, was 24 yard. I want to say it was 24 yard touchdown run, which by the way was our longest run from scrimmage this year for the team, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But yeah, guys, like you're right, Curtis. You don't want to make a living recruiting three stars that because they're not all going to pan out. But if you trust your coaches out to make evaluations and you offer select three stars, like George, look, like we can go out and get four or five stars. I don't want to say at will, but we can load our entire roster up with four and five stars. But sometimes our coaches see a guy that they like who might not be ranked as a four or five star. Maybe he's under-recruited for whatever reason or the, he hasn't gone to camp, so the service haven't got, gotten out to watch. Maybe his tape hasn't gotten out, whatever. Maybe he's a little smaller than the, the guys with their rankings. Like There's various reasons why a guy could be a three star. But if our coaches see him and like him and offer him, those guys go to the radar. You mentioned like Eric Stokes. We're like, okay, whatever. Like barely makes a ripple in the fan base when they commit. But again, we don't offer guys unless we think that they can contribute to this football team. And yes, Ladd McConkey got offered very late. We had a scholarship open up. He was down there on the board and he was next guy up and we offered him. And he, thank God he committed because this guy is going to be a playmaker for us. To me, Ladd is like the prototypical slot receiver that we, that we haven't had. I've been screaming about this for a couple of years now. You watch guys like Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro at Clemson. All these different teams have these slot. Like Kadarius Tony at Florida, and you just watch teams just dice up defenses with these players. And we just haven't had a guy like that. So I was actually, as far as three stars goes, you guys remember back a couple of years ago, I was actually pretty excited when we signed him. I think exactly what I said I was like, this is the kind of guy that if you don't sign him, he goes to Kentucky or something like that. And he just tears it up, and everyone's asking three or four years later, how did he get out of Georgia? How did we let this guy get out of the state? Why didn't we sign him? And Kirby's got to answer those questions. And I wasn't guaranteeing he was going to be a big-time player, but just watching again, watching the tape in high school, I was like, this guy can make plays. And I, I don't use this word freely. I, I try to reserve this for when I really mean it. But I think Lad McConkey is a freak athlete. Like, is that crazy, Curtis? I think he's a freak athlete. Yeah, I do. Um, the thing is, he has that pack. I mean, yeah, I don't, honestly don't know much about his height and everything. But the fact is the guy has uh, a skill set in the fact of how shifty he is and quick. I mean, look, he's a, I think he's the shiftiest player in our team in terms of like short or quickness. Think, realistically, I know this – I mean, I know he's coming off injury and everything, but if you gave me a healthy Dominic Blaylock and a healthy Lad McConkey, I actually think I would take Lad. Lad's a better athlete. I'm not saying he's a better receiver. He's a better athlete. I Hands down, he's a better athlete. He's faster. He's I quicker. He, he can he, jump he higher. All those things. The better athlete. He has better measurables. Yeah, and I think he could, like you said, you're talking about people slicing him up. I think that's what you would see out of Ladd McConkey. And look, you, so you're asking about his 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 height and weight, six foot one eighty five. So you see that I've heard people say, "Oh my God, if he gets, if he gets hit one time, I mean, they're they're going to break him in half." Yeah, but you can say the same thing about every single slot receiver in the history of the world. No, six, right? one, six one one eighty five is not bad. I mean, realistically, and the rules in college football have changed. Headhunters of yesteryear, Greg Blues. Those guys aren't allowed to exist anymore. So number one, you don't get hit over the middle like you used to because guys have to worry about targeting. That's number one. And number two, offenses have evolved to utilize the skill sets of guys like Lab McConkey. Like used to be a receiver, the prototype was like 6'5", 210, 215 pounds. Those guys go make those big plays, right? And you, you can still make use of those guys, but it's not. It's speed is the name of the game. Short area quickness, option routes, whip routes. That's the name of the game, and that's what Lad McConkey fits to a T, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm with you, man. Like He was actually next up on my list. I had Brock number one, Lad number two. And I think we're just scratching the surface of what, honestly, both these guys could do, which is really a scary thing. Uh, so we'll see how, how they progress as the year goes on and how we can find ways to utilize them and get the ball in their hands. All right, for me, I'm going to go over to the defense side of the ball this next one. I'm going to go Jalen Carter. 
Yeah, Jalen Carter is a monster. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 he, like I'll, I'll use the word again. I don't use this freely. I'll use it again as it applies to Jalen Carter. An absolute freak. That's what Jalen Carter is. He's per, he basically lives in the back in the backfield. He just camps out back there. Like he has keys. He just anyone's backfield. He's gonna let himself in every single game. And not only is he like living in backfields, but he is crushing ball carriers. Like the hits that he's putting on people, it's so crushing. He's destroying people's lives. That's what Jalen Carter is doing. I know we all love Jordan Davis. I love Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is my favorite player on this team. I love the guy to death. And some people kind of raised their eyebrows, Curtis, back in the preseason when we were doing our top 20 players list. And we were kind of rolling that out. And we had Jalen Carter inside our top five. I had more than a few people send me some DMs like saying, like, what has this guy done to be in the top five? And I get that. Like, the production necessarily wasn't there or wasn't necessarily there in year one because he wasn't a starter. But I love what I saw when he was out there. I was based that more on potential, right? That's what we were looking at, Curse down the road, ceiling. And I'm not backing off that. I stand by that 100%. I agree. Like, you heard Stinchcomb say it. Like, he's like, yeah, the guy comes off the bench. He's like, I don't view him as a backup. He's a starter. He's just like 1A, 1B. And that's that's realistically how I view him also because the realist, that guy's not a backup. It's as simple as that. Jalen Carter starts for every other team in America besides University of Georgia, which is a scary thing to say. Like, honestly, like he starts for – there's no other team in America he does not start for. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. And he's just – like, I, I will say this, and I know people are going to say uh, – some, some of you might agree with me. Some of you probably going to think I'm crazy. I think Jalen Carter – I think you make a very strong argument that Jalen Carter is the best player on this football team. And he doesn't start, which is crazy. Like, is that outlandish to say he's the best player on the team? I really, I, I think you can make a strong argument. I, I don't think it's it's that bad of an argument, realistically. No, I mean, look at everything he does. I mean, I, I know you can say I'm Anderson. You can say, of course, Jordan Davis. Everyone's on point of the quarterback because they get all the love. I mean, you got, Brock Bowers is going to get some love. Obviously, he might actually be the best athlete. He might also be the best athlete when you look at everything he has on the table. Yeah, I think you can make it. I, yeah, I think, yeah, if you talk about just like pure athleticism in that in that package, in that frame. I think you make a strong. I mean, you've seen him make touchdown catches. Let's be honest. Yes, come out there playing fullback again. So I, I love Jalen Carter. I think this guy is a, is a surefire first round draft pick. I think he's going to have an incredible rest of this year. He's going to be a dominant force for us next year. And everyone's, I'm upset about losing Jordan Davis because you don't want to lose a guy like that. But we'll be just fine. We're in good hands with a guy like Jalen Carter. He's a different player than than Jordan. Don't get me wrong, but Jalen Carter is. Again, I'll use the word. He's a freak, man. He is just tearing up opposing offenses right now. All right, Kurt, where are you going next? Um, next, I'm going to stick with defense. I kind of want to give Keely Ringo a shout-out. That guy is just getting more and more physical and more and more comfortable out there. Had a really nice pay- pass breakup in the – was it the first quarter first half at least? At least the first half. I can't remember. But the fact is, like, he, he's – you're seeing it. He's he's honestly past speed on the, the depth chart, it looks like. He's getting a lot of those reps. And the fact is, like I said, he's looking more and more comfortable out there making more and more plays. I think he's kind of seized that role right now. Um, and that could change. I mean, he's still a freshman. There could be some freshman bumps in the road, certainly. But I think yeah, as of right now. With her, doesn't doesn't mean that you, you could be yanked after a series yeah. next game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the bench is only a play away. So, I, But I think right now he has seized that position. He's playing much more – I would say he's much more confident, right, than he was – in week one, like week one, like I was at least slightly concerned because it wasn't, again, it wasn't like he wasn't in position. It's kind of the Tyson Campbell thing where he just looked lost. Like you're right there, make a play on the ball. And that's something that that was concerning for me. Is like, and I, I understood it because he hadn't played football in quite a while, like in a competitive situation like that. But to see him make strides in just a short number of weeks 
is really heartening because obviously that was a, a, a position a lot of people were concerned about. And I'm still like, I'm still concerned about it. I'm not like over that, but I feel a lot better about that position than I did just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're not, we're not there yet, but I think he's certainly showing strides and he's um, showing signs of becoming that guy that we all know he's going to become. I have a lot of confidence. He will become that elite cornerback. He's just got to grow and develop, and we're seeing him grow leaps and bounds really game by game right now. So I'm really excited to see what he's doing right now. Uh, great call there. Uh, I'm going to go my next one here. I really like to see us force these turnovers, force three turnovers in this game. I thought Chris Smith might get another another pick six there for a second. Didn't quite make it to the end zone, but forcing turnovers. Look, we didn't have to force the turnovers in a game like this against Vanderbilt. We were going to destroy them no matter what, but that's the sign of a really good defense is not just – you know, stifling teams and suffocating them like we are doing almost week in and week out right now. But forcing those turnovers, when we play better offenses down the road, that is what can win you football games. That's what can change games. So this trend of forcing turnovers, it needs to continue. And we need to make sure we're not giving the ball away offensively. We did a better job this week. Stetson had that one pick. I know he wants that one back. But forcing three turnovers, I don't care who you're playing, that's winning football. We need to continue to do that because as strong as we are defensively, especially in the front seven, if we can force turnovers like that, it's going to be very, very hard to beat us. Our offense can have an off day if we're forcing turnovers like that. So that's certainly something you like to see here uh, four weeks through the season. All right, Kurt, what's up next for you? I think you got to say the play of JT. Um, I thought he was out there. And I think just what you kind of saw against South Carolina is he's taking what's there. I mean, he had that pick in South Carolina, but this game, um, he took the dump offs. And the throw that really stood out to me the most was the throw to Ladd because that he was getting hit, and he threw a perfect high ball for his guy to go make a play on it. Yeah, the touchdown pass to Bauer, I think it was the touchdown pass to Bauer's also, was incredible yeah, that was anticipation. It just, the, yeah. like, Bowers was not out of his break yet. Bowers are sort of running up the field. And he just honestly, when he, when he let the ball go, I was like, "What are you doing?" And you see Bowers breaking, like, "Oh, okay, I get it." So that level of anticipation, I just don't know if we've seen that from a quarterback in a while here in Athens, especially one who's been battling an injury. So uh, it was nice to see him. I mean, he was in complete control; like, he was in absolute complete control out there. And there's still some people. I, I still heard some people in national media on the way home today. I'm like, I'm not. I'm still not sure. I I, I completely buy Jake Daniels as a quarterback, and I'm like. Okay, I don't know what he's done in Athens to make you say that, but that's fine. That's okay. I, I Right now, guys, I will say I buy JT Daniels. Are you buying JT Daniels, Curtis? Can we just say that? I mean, yeah, especially – I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, but <laughs> what he did versus what Sesson did, I, yeah. I, I don't Again, and not that you and I were ever questioning this, but he's clearly our quarterback, right? Like, I mean, let's just – I mean, the idea that Stetson Bennett should be coming in and getting reps, I know Vanderbilt's a different story. It's, it's laughable to me. So, yeah, JT's our guy. I thought he was in complete control out there. Nolan played, I mean, less than a quarter, but he was out there doing really big things. Was, I go back to what you used, the word you used at the beginning, Curtis, precision. He was just on the money all day long. And uh, you love to see that heading into the meat of our schedule here because we have a big October, as we said. We got we to gotta have all – all guys here on all cylinders, and JT looks like he's kind of rounding into form right now. Um, all right, for me, I'm going to go two-minute offense here. So really, it's kind of the one-minute offense. That's two weeks in a row. I know South Carolina is not good. I know Vanderbilt's not good. I don't care. I want to see us run the two-minute, one-minute offense, whatever you want to call it, in competitive situations and get those reps because we might have to do that. Again, when we get down the road against some of these better teams on schedule, those points, it might not be just like a matter of how bad can we beat a team. It might be the ma- a matter of, do we win this football game? Can you steal points at that before the half or the end of the game? That is a big deal. So to see us right before the half again, 
Uh, it's two weeks in a row with under 45 seconds on the clock going down there. Didn't get touchdowns, but got scores, got field goals right before the half. And again, I know Vanderbilt, South Carolina, not good. We're going to win those games no matter what. But those reps, those situations, it's invaluable for when you actually are going to play a more competitive team down the road, where, again, it might not be a matter of, oh, do we beat them by 50 or do we beat them by 45? It's, oh, do we win or do we lose? So those situations are big. And uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in situational football, as is Kirby Smart. And so to see us operate with precision, there's that word again, like we had the past two weeks in those situations, the two-minute offense, that's a, that's a really positive thing to see here heading into the meat of our schedule. All right, Chris, what else you got, man? Um, hmm. I got a couple more. Uh, if you have anything else, that's cool. I got a couple more. Yeah, I'll let you go because, I mean, you could go all day realistically. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like we could just go down the entire roster and just list it out. So I'll just give you a couple more real quick, and then we'll get to uh, the things that we didn't like, which is basically just nitpicking. But I'm going to go. I'm gonna give Kirby a shout-out here. He's gotten this team. We kind of alluded to this earlier. He's gotten this team playing to a standard finally where we're not playing down. That's like, honestly, Curtis, you know how I am. And you guys listen to the show. You've, you've been listening to us for a while. You know how I get. I have some anxiety when it comes to Georgia football because I've seen far too many times in my life where we are the vastly superior team. We have far more talent. And somehow we sleepwalk through games. And either games are much closer than they should be against inferior opponents or we end up losing games to inferior opponents like we did back in 2019 to South Carolina at home at noon which is kind of the same situation as well. Arkansas is much better than South Carolina was back then, but find ourselves in a similar situation here this weekend. But I, 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 I hesitate to say those days are gone. But Curtis, don't you kind of get the feeling that those days are kind of gone, at least for this season? You want to, especially the fact that like they hold everyone accountable and things like that. Yeah, and like I, I'm, I'm like cringing. If you guys can see me, I'm cringing just saying that. I feel like I'm like putting some bad juju out there for the team. But just objectively watching this, I think Kirby's gotten this team to where they're all buying in. They're playing to a standard. His culture is is completely ingrained. And I, like I said earlier, this team is on a mission. I just get that vibe from them. And Kirby's doing his part too. I mean, I, I don't know if it showed on the on the TV copy, but being there in the stands and watching, like we're we're beating them like forty five nothing, whatever it is. And Kirby lost his mind on Kamari last. I think it was a punt. I'm actually I'm positive it was a punt where he. Um, it was like kind of a shank punt. And he was, and we were telling him to get out of the way, and he wasn't completely aware where the ball was. And Kirby lit into him, and, and that even if it hit him and Vanderbilt recovered, we were going to win the game. We're going to win the game significantly. It wasn't going to really matter in the grand scheme of things. But Kirby, that's about playing to a standard. If you want your team to play to a standard, you coach to a standard. You coach for sixty minutes. You coach every player hard. You coach every play like it's the play that's going to decide the game. And so it starts at the top, and it kind of filters its way down. And I think Kirby Smart has done one hell of a job of setting that example, getting his players to buy in, and not letting up on them. So. I got to give the headman a shout out. I know he's been getting ripped a little bit for uh, the quarterback situation, but I, I, you have to also give the guy credit for us being in the position that we're in. Make no, make no mistake about it, guys. This is Kirby Smart's program. Where we are right now is a direct result of Kirby Smart. All right. Doesn't mean he's perfect. He has made some bonehead decisions sometimes in the quarterback position. I understand that. I will acknowledge that. But still, let's look at the big picture. We are where we are because of Kirby Smart. Let's just put that out there. Um, and uh, we missed some pass protection. So, yeah, we already talked about that all day long back there for both quarterbacks. I mean, just sit, literally, just like chilling out back there, you know, putting on a lounge chair, just chilling out, sipping on a, a Mai Tai back there. 
throwing touchdown passes. That's all we had to do because we had all day long to throw the football, both quarterbacks. So love to see that again. I know Vanderbilt's not great, but it's better than the alternative. So got to give those guys some credit there. But uh, all right, Curtis, got anything else? Or you got to move on to the next section? Yeah, I'm ready to move on. Let's all right, let's go. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So obviously a lot to like coming out of a game that we just absolutely dominated from start to finish like that. And it really is just nitpicking to find anything that we didn't like coming out of such a dominant performance. But I'm going to channel my inner Kirby Smart here and say, as I was just talking about, that we have a standard that we play to. And we played to that standard in most areas on Saturday. But there were still some things that I still think that we need to improve on if we're going to do what we all want to do this season. The schedule really lightened up after Clemson for a couple of weeks. But as we've said a couple of times on the show today, we have a very big October ahead of us uh, against some much better football teams, teams that are much more equipped to actually beat us in the past couple of weeks. And there are still some things that I see when I'm watching us play that might go unnoticed as we're just killing teams. But I think that could get us beat against better teams if we don't clean them up. So you might have to dig deep here, Curtis. But what did you see in this game against Vanderbilt that maybe you didn't like as much? Um, my thing is, you know, we kind of already mentioned the quarterback thing, and I wasn't really happy with the quarterback rotation. Not the fact of JT coming out, um, but more than anything, the fact that I think Stetson was in there too long. Realistically, we know what Stetson can do. Uh the fact is, I think we need to get more pass attempts for Carson Beck. Um, and I think that's where I would – I think that he should have come in earlier in the third quarter um, to try to get him some more reps, I think. Because, like I said, Stetson has had a lot of game time reps, and I think it's more important for us to get Carson Beck some more passing attempts. And Beck threw what, three passes? Yeah, not enough. And Stetson, I mean, first off, he got better, but he started off rough, and maybe that's why. But the fact is that we know – you kind of like – the thing about Stetson is you always kind of know what you're getting from him, um, and that's why I believe that we needed more reps from Carson Beck. Yeah, when Carson's a chance to get out there, he needs to throw more than three passes. It's just as simple as that. And I and I will criticize Kirby Smart for that. I just got done waxing poetic about how great he is and, and what he's done for this program, and I, and I stand by that. But I will also say that, that, Kirby, that Kirby Smart needs to give Carson Beck in these kind of games. He And I know that we were killing them, and you didn't want to run the score, but I understand that, but – we also need to get this guy some reps, some like meaningful reps in those situations. So if you didn't want to run the score up, then don't let Stetson play as long, right? as you said, Curtis. I, I totally agree with that. I thought Stetson played well. I mean, he had the one interception there that would, uh, you know, uh, he should not, he should never have thrown that football. He got, he got rushed out of the pocket a little bit. Should have thrown the ball. He knows better than that. He shouldn't have done that. But I thought all in all, he played another good game. He bring, I love the athleticism that Stetson brings to the table. People don't really talk about that enough. I don't think he does give us a, another dimension there with his legs. Now, he's not like K.J. Jefferson that uh, we're going to see this week, maybe, if he's healthy. But he still gives us a, a little 
maybe a different dimension at the quarterback position than, than anyone on, on the roster right now. I, Brandon Griffin give us that too, but he's just not ready to play right now. But I thought Stetson was fine, but you're right. I do think Beck should have gotten in earlier and gotten some more chances to actually throw the football and get those valuable reps. Uh, the first thing I'm going to go here that I keep harping on, man, and until they, until they change my mind, I'm going to keep bringing this up. Perimeter blocking remains a problem with our receivers and tight ends. It's still a problem. We had, and I know again, we're nitpicking here because we won 62 to nothing. So we didn't need any extra touchdowns. But in the first quarter, we had a touchdown on a screen pass to Lad McConkey. That was a touchdown if we just make one block. And I think it was A.D. Mitchell, if I remember correctly, who missed the block this time. It's been Justin Robinson. It's been Jermaine. It's been A.D. Mitchell. It's been every one of them. It's been even guys like Fitzpatrick are missing blocks out there in the perimeter. It's got to improve. Now, that didn't hurt us because it's Vanderbilt. It, we came back. We scored a touchdown on that same drive on the touchdown pass to Bowers. But I go back to the fact that we are not going to play Vanderbilt every single week. We will play better teams like, oh, I don't know, this week. And against better teams, those little things matter. You might not get multiple opportunities to score in a drive like that against Arkansas or Auburn or Kentucky or Florida. Those opportunities are not going to be as plentiful. So when you have opportunities, when your offense coordinator dials it up, you've got to cash in. You can't let one missed block on the perimeter be the difference when you score a touchdown and not score a touchdown when you're playing Florida and Jacksonville. It cannot happen. We've got to clean that up. And if you wonder why we're not hitting big plays in the run game like we have in the past, that's a big reason why. We can break through the first line or two of defense, but we're not blocking consistently well enough on the perimeter. I'm not saying every time it's a disaster, but it's not good enough. It's not consistent enough. We've got to get better at that. And I, I don't know, man, at this point, I don't know if we will. I hope so. we got to keep working on it, but it's a problem right now. It's a problem. And I know Vanderbilt doesn't really show up, but it can show up later on when we play better teams. So there's that. So, Kurt, what you got next, man? Um, I want to go kind of stick with the receivers a little bit, the drops. Um, I know it was only wow. a couple, but the fact is, especially in a big-time game, you can't have those. Yeah, that's, that's I had that actually last. On my, I only have three things, and that was number three on my list. I think Justin Robinson, we mentioned him earlier. He dropped one. A.D. Mitchell dropped. We just took his eyes off the ball. Uh, and that Mitchell drop, again, I, know, I keep saying the same thing, but Vanderbilt sucks. We know that. We're going to beat Vanderbilt where they drop passes, where they miss blocks or not. It's just – they're just not there. They can't do it. But that Mitchell drop – and I love A.D. Mitchell. He's probably the best receiver on the team. That Mitchell drop was on second and 14, and that led to the third and 14 where Stetson had to force a ball and he got it picked. If we're not in third and one in that situation, maybe Stetson doesn't feel like he has to force the ball in that situation and you don't get the ball intercepted. Now, again, it didn't matter against Vanderbilt. But we're not playing Vanderbilt every week. You cannot do that against better teams. You cannot. You just can't. So I know we're nitpicking here, but it, again, we're playing to but a also, But didn't Justin, Rob, didn't Justin Robinson have a drop against South Carolina also? I yeah, know he's there got, was he's one two against drops South in the past two weeks, yeah. And that's, and that's my thing. Like I, I, it, We can't let it snowball. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely totally agree there. So that's definitely on my list. Uh, you got anything else? Because I got one more. <sighs> I'll stick with those two. I mean, like you said, we're just nitpicking, but yeah. definitely those two really stuck out to me. Yeah, totally nitpicking here. Um, last thing for me here, thing I didn't like. Uh, Curtis, we got to get the run game going, man. I, I know this is going to sound crazy. You're going to look at the stat line. You're going to look at the bot score and say, dude, what are you talking about? You're just nitpicking here, no, man. Because we ran I, I agree with you. Yards. You agree? Are you with me on this? I do agree because the fact is we weren't gashing like we should have, especially um, – there are certain plays we're getting hit in the backfield or kind of start. We had to try to pivot and make something out of nothing quite a, too much against Vanderbilt. 
far too much. And the final numbers look fine. 241 yards rushing, five yards in attempt. Last week, 184 yards rushing, 5.9 yards per attempt against two SEC teams. 163 yards, 4.3 yards per rush against UAB. Those numbers are fine. There's nothing like bad about those numbers. So it's, I'm not saying it's a crisis. I'm not saying I'm freaking out. We haven't been bad running the football. But again, I go back to we're playing to a standard, guys. We're not trying to beat Vanderbilt in South Carolina every week, all right? We've got bigger fish down the road, and we still aren't where we need to be running the football, in my opinion. We are, are not explosive on the ground right now. I mentioned it earlier. Lad McConkey's 24-yard touchdown run was our longest run of the year, all right? It's the longest run of the year from Sherman. That's not Georgia football. I go back to the premier blocking getting the second level, we've got to improve there. And we're already having to find different ways to run the football, to manufacture run plays, whether it's the, the McConkey touchdown run, whether it's the tight end reverse, the tight end, it's not really reverse, it's an end around more or less is what it is. We're not reversing the field there. But we're already trying to do things like that. And it's like, man, we're, I, I don't know if I, I, I like the, the results, but can't we just line up and run the football? Like we need to be able to do that. And then Vandy, Vanderbilt, stopped us on two short yardage situations. One on the goal line on fourth and one. Now, granted, James Cook probably isn't the guy to have in there in a fourth and one situation, but Vanderbilt should not be stopping us on fourth and one ever, ever. I don't care. No excuses. That should never happen. It should never, ever happen. So I know I'm nitpicky, but we have got to get the ground game kickstarted, and we've got to find a way to be more explosive on the ground with the running attack. If we do that with what we've already seen that we can do with our weapons on the perimeter, I don't think anyone can stop us on offense. It's strange now. I think we're throwing the ball better than we're running it right now, which is the most not Georgia thing ever. And I just well, we are taking what we're getting. I will say that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're taking what they're giving us. I will agree with that. Which is which is nice though, because before we couldn't always do that. So I mean, exactly. That is right. a nice so thing. So it's like, nice to be able it, to have the it, option it, where, okay, they're stopping the run, so we still throw the ball and beat you. That's great. We still beat you 62 yeah. nothing. That's awesome. That's a luxury. But I come back to it. If we want to be this elite team and we want to win a national title, then we've got to be able to run the football more effectively, more consistently. And we've got to be more balanced. Yes, totally agree. Simple as that. So, again, I know I'm nitpicking here. You look at the final numbers and say, dude, you're, shut up. You're, you're wrong. And that's fine if you believe that. It's okay. I get it. I'm just saying we're going to play better teams down the road, and we've got, we've got to be able to run the ball – like again, not we're not bad at running the football. We just gotta get better at it. I just want us to be better. Well, my my last comment is you kind of said it about the receivers, but I think it's also on the O line. I think every lineman or every blocker in general, we have to get better at sustaining our blocks. I agree, uh, and that's in pass protection. That's in the run game in general. We gotta, we gotta do a better job getting the second level. All of those things. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. I know this wasn't much of a game to recap. There wasn't much drama here. A lot of great things to talk about. Had to nitpick a little bit when trying to pick out some things that we didn't like as much. But I still do believe there's things that we've definitely got to clean up for us to ultimately be the team that we want to be because the schedule is going to heat up very quickly over the next couple of weeks. And I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but we have a top 10 matchup with game day in town up this week. So, of course, we'll have you guys covered from every angle with this matchup against Arkansas all throughout the week. So make sure to check back in with us. But for now, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.